0: This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during, workout needs, as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. Can can anybody tell me what happened last week? I just I don't know. I've been getting some strange emails. I basically I blacked out. <laughs> I I uh, woke up in a cold sweat. We had a million new subscribers and Carl Pooling is now the biggest show
1: on the internet. So right. I don't but I, mean, I don't remember what happened. I was I think in a fugue state. Hey, let me just ask, you know, the, the new people we hired. Hey, Shapiro, can you get in here and explain to me why the show's doing so good? Thanks. <laughs> He'll be ben, here in a minute. Ben, ben, I
0: want the report on my desk by this, by a Thursday. I don't know. It doesn't, <laughs> like, it doesn't work because when, what day are you even listening to this? Oh, Would, man. Wouldn't it be great to show up in court with Ben Shapiro? Like just to know automatically you're gonna lose the case. No, (laughs) (laughs) not not because I mean just because like he's so widely hated by so Mm. many different people. Um, Mm. I I personally love him, but I think he would do a valiant job. However, you're pretty much you're you're dead on arrival there. Maybe we can get him on retainer. What's Hunter? What's the current carpooling budget look like? Can you check the carpooling treasury?
1: Yeah, just, uh, just going to dial in uh, to our uh, definitely corporate account. And, uh, oh, uh, we can afford nothing, um, <laughs> it looks like. So <laughs> that might be a problem.
0: Well, we're definitely not getting Jew Lawyer. And of the Jew Lawyer, we're definitely not getting Ben Shapiro. He's like the hey, most is- famous of them.
1: What is this? I see you've bought some Big Red Gum. Yeah. Uh, 25 I to, cents. Don't
0: worry, Hunter. I called I called definitely corporate card services and made sure that we had overdraft protection. So, oh, thank we're totally God. fine. Good. Good Guys, to Guys, uh thank you for sticking with us last week. I I did re-listen to the episode and I sounded like I was dying and that's only because I was, in fact, um, yet again I have, I have returned to life I think this is the third time I've been resurrected For your audio listening pleasure So congratulations on uh, finding the show yet again And finding me alive in it This is Carl Pooling. It's the only good thing in a dark, dark world It is a one white hot spotlight In an otherwise bleak eternal night And we're glad to have you back again If you have a job, not that anyone does or not that anyone will soon. Something about minimum wage or $15 and automated kiosks at McDonald's. I don't know. Watch the news. <laughs> uh, but but if you have a job, don't listen to this at work. This is the podcast that will get you fired. Um, and I've got very special news today, Hunter. Oh, hit me with it. Seated behind me.
1: In, in the my seat, apartment. One say.
0: In the back seat, so to speak. Uh hovering about me as if he were a predator with a garrote that was, or is it a garrote? Is it a garrote or a garrote? Let's
1: call it a gator. Much more interesting. Hey, hey, no, let's not do that. <laughs> okay. Um, it's definitely not lingerie. Uh, anyway. I meant like a gator in the water. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, it doesn't make sense when I'm talking about something that you use to choke someone out. You know, Obvi- fair. Like if you choke someone out with a gator, I guess if it was small and flexible enough, look, this is not important. <laughs> What is important is that hovering like an an assassin at my unprotected back is my good friend, your good friend, friend of the show, uh, a contributor via email and messages before. Happy to have him as a first-time guest on the Carl Pooling podcast. It's our good friend, Nick. Nick, welcome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be in the back seat.
0: Oh, yeah. It's the best place. Um and if you sit in the middle the bumps aren't even that bad. Yeah. So uh we've got a big topic. We we brought Nick on cuz Nick you're I think I'm going to try and use the the contemporary lingo of the day, but you're something of a rap god. <laughs> that's that's correct. That uh, that would be how Eminem would put it. <clears throat> I uh, my my rap analogies extend to Marshall Mathers' And exactly no further. Just kidding. I know a thing or two. I just don't like to let people know. Um, anyhow, we're going to uh, be talking about some... some. Is it even rap anymore, Nick? Uh, give us your professional take. Is it hip-hop, R&B? Yeah. So I
2: figured we'd get into this later, and maybe we can dive a little deeper. But uh, the current brand of rap that's really big in the top 40 for the most part it's Real sing-songy, kind of pioneered by Kid Cudi, um, but it's it's melodic rap. It's uh, it's somewhere in between singing and rapping. Gotcha. I am so, so
1: immediately out of my depth. It's not even funny.
2: <laughs> if oh, it makes you feel any better, there's not a tremendous amount of depth.
0: Okay, <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into it, um, and you guys probably already know what's coming. Before we do that, Hunter. Yeah. For for the love of all that is true and beautiful. Please bestow upon our hungry listenership,
1: the delicious comestibles of the roadkill can do brother. Um, not to make light of a truly tragic incident. Um, if you haven't seen the news, there was a, uh, Muslim man in DC who was killed because two teenage girls attempted to hide, uh, to carjack him. Um, it's a gruesome video, uh, Feel free to watch it at your leisure. Okay, let you me ever...
0: pa- let me pause you right there, Hunter. Sure,
1: I'll
0: just wait. You have just done the comedy equivalent uh-huh. of taking a twenty foot ladder and a surfboard. Yep, climbing up to the top of a high dive. Uh-huh.
1: I'm understanding <laughs> setting
0: the ladder up and balancing the surfboard on top of it horizontally. Okay, and you're going to attempt to dive into the pool of making somebody laugh and. I only bring that, that video is, is horrible. It's horribly shocking. Right. Um, watch it uh, at, at your, your own, own peril, yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, however, <laughs> I just wanted to take a moment to just pause you and get take a breath and examine what a difficult task you have just given yourself <laughs> to turn this around and make it funny. <laughs> and
1: now that we've set the stakes, <laughs> do your best for it. <laughs> I can do. Uh DC Mayor Browser yanks tweet calling carjacking crime of opportunity. <laughs> so what? So after that happens, apparently she had a pre-scheduled tweet telling people to be vigilant <laughs> against car theft. That uh, went out saying, basically, remember the slogan, you know, to protect your own car. Hashtag, you know, car theft is is it a crime of opportunity, essentially. Which happened? Oh no! Literally, like in the the same 24 hour period that this horrible thing happened in her city essentially making it seem like <laughs> crime isn't the problem you people that let crime happen to you are the problem <laughs> so
0: oh no yes it's very bad that is the and, and but but uh, in theory that was that was Pre pre posted. It was an automated tweet. It was just unfortunate timing. It's
1: pre posted automated tweet. Her social media team should be fired for not <laughs> figuring that out. Yeah. Oh, you know? how do you not? Yeah, think of that. Yeah, it's not good. So, um, yeah, apparently that happened. It's pretty disgusting. Um, you know, and I think I think even that idea, you know, to to for a for an elected official to say crime isn't my problem, it's your problem right is pretty yeah. ridiculous on its face and then the timing of that just shows you how ridiculous it is right um well
0: yeah I, and, and I, I can get it from like a you know don't leave valuables in your car sure. lock your doors I, I get like that public service announcement sure. stuff to it although that comes a lot better from like the train station or yeah. the parking lot at kroger yeah and not so much from a politician who literally can do something about it in theory you know yes exactly um so maybe a little bit tactless there, regardless. But like, woof! That woof. video is so horrific, and to post that afterwards, yike! Nick, did you see that video by any chance?
2: No, I'm not up on this.
0: Um, yeah, well, I'll show you. I'll show you after after the recording. Um, I will say, if you do go searching for it, it is not a YouTube video. It is a live leak video. So oh. you World will talk. see somebody die if you watch it. So oh. think about if that's something that you want to do. Um, horrible story and and let's just go ahead and use that as a transition so we were, we were thinking about this week uh, that maybe we would talk about violence and crime and guns and race and the intersection of all of those topics because there's a bunch of really disingenuous narratives that are being bounced around the news cycle right now um, you know we definitely know that the shooter in Atlanta was racist but the shooter in in Colorado who's posting conspiratorial left wing nonsense about you know his phone being tapped and stuff by a by a Donald Trump cabal. There's no known motive for his actions, and and I'm not even saying that one of those is true and one of those isn't. So I'm just saying the double standard in the reporting is kind of sickening. You add on to that that a southeast a south a South Asian man is killed in the inner city by two underage girls, and you know their race is not important to the story but other things are and the way that that gets reported is twisted there's just this this very disgusting narrative that's going around with race but after hunter cured me from my enchantment and my brain fever after he he had properly bled and leached my feet <laughs> so that the the dark humors escaped me we decided that we would talk about something uh even worse? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but a little bit? Like worse in a way. Um, but definitely disgusting. So, this week we're going to talk about um, a, a bunch of things, but it's all revolving around this concept of decadence. So, decadence is a word that we throw around a lot and usually to describe dessert um, or, you know, a particularly good looking. Outfit, and then you usually affect like a fake Southern lady's voice. Oh, that's decadent! You know something like that. The word is it means a whole lot more than that. The word, in its its most original use, it means it means something that's so devoted to passions that it's destructive. It's a it's a wanton abandon for pleasure at the expense of in, it, in its most accelerated form, everything. You know, it's the word that you describe your chocolate thunder from down under. Take that any way oh. you will. And isn't that the na- actual name of the dessert, though, at, at uh, Outback
1: Steakhouse? I have no idea. I haven't eaten an Outback since I respected myself, which is a long time at this point. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe someone can fact check me on that.
0: I'm pretty sure it is. Um, obviously, it's Used for like at least six other things I can think of <laughs> right now, but it's the root word for decay. You know, we all know what decay means. It's the speed at which a synthesized signal. Ret- no, I'm just kidding. I uh, hate you but so But my much. my <laughs> electrical engineering audio buffs out there are all They're loving thinking that's it right so good. Um. Uh. But you know, it's it's this, it's this idea that we built something and now it's in disrepair. It's the state of the universe. It's entropy writ large. Um only there's this there's this sickeningly sweet aspect to it where the decay comes from pleasure. And so that's the topic for today in large part. And I'll lay a little bit more groundwork and then maybe we can get into some of the specifics, but this actually came up as a topic because before the main story that we're really going to talk about today was on the scene, Andrew Clavin over at Daily Wire had a great uh, special. He's, he's doing an episode a week. It's, it's a little bit longer. So he had an hour and a half special uh, titled The United States First God, and he talks about this idea of decadence. And he does so by referencing Jacques Barzun's book, From Dawn to Decadence, 1500 to the Present, 500 Years of Western Cultural Life. And so the argument in this book, and we'll, we'll dive into it more as we go, but the argument is effectively that the story of the West is a story of decadence. It's a story of seeking pleasure and finding destruction. And I think there's been a couple of stories in the news cycle lately that kind of bring this to the forefront. So, Nick, I'm going to throw it over to you because you're the most in the know uh, on this topic can you tell us a little bit about Lil Nasks? I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is it Lil Nasks? <clears throat> That's correct. Lil Nasks. <laughs> Lil
2: Nasty. Uh, more commonly known as Lil Nas X. Is uh, no longer an up and coming rapper. He's he's made it overnight. Uh, he started off as a Twitter troll, more or less. Uh, he had some like comedic Twitter accounts... And when he decided to make a song that was like this country, rap, fusion, uh, also known as Crap. Yes, Um, for certain. uh, He started promoting it via Twitter, like with funny tweet replies and stuff. And it blew up before you know it. uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is on the song. It's the biggest song in the country. Uh, It
0: was all over Top 40. You couldn't escape it. And, of course, we're talking about old town road old town road yes which is i think contains the lyric gonna ride is it ride or drive my horse
2: i think it's i'm gonna ride till i can't no more i'm gonna ride till i can't no more I'm which gonna... in light of his recent music it makes you wonder what that really means <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is way too true okay um, gotcha so, so... He he blew up with Old Town Road. I'm sure like yes. everybody's heard that song. Run the down Old Town Road. Like everyone should I've know never, that little. I've stinger never right heard now, right? that song in my entire life. Hunter, you've never left your home. Fair okay. The, Somehow for the I rest believe of us. that. I have no trouble
2: believing that Hunter is not
0: <laughs> For the rest of us who occasionally receive vitamin D and not a lot, but just Fair enough, it. we've okay. heard it. Um. Okay. So anyway, and then, then. Help me out with the timeline. So something like a couple weeks ago or something, he releases this new song?
2: Uh, less than that. I think it came out last Friday, I believe. Gotcha. Um, he has a new song out called Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, as far as I know, I haven't actually looked into this, but it's a reference to a film by the same name. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the f- formula is less country and more just straight up like the current brand of sing-songy rap, like think Post Malone. Uh, so pretty innocuous sounding, uh, but it's his
0: new offering. It's out right now. And, and Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I think it is a reference to that film. Um, I, and you're going to have to forgive me if I'm a little bit off here, but Call Me By Your Name was a little bit controversial when it released at Sundance because I think it involved the story of um, an older man, uh, like an older man and a younger man in some kind of homosexual relationship. Yeah. Very, uh, uh, Milo type, type beat, a Milo style (laughs) feel. Our, our audience will know what that means. Um, so yeah, so that was a little controversial. He's obviously stirring up controversy here. And so, I'm just going to say what I know about it and then fill in the gaps Nick Um, but not in a little Nask's way he he effectively he ascends to heaven in the music video and then he does a suggestive pole dance from heaven down to hell when he shows up in hell he gives Satan an exotic dance then there's some implied implied sodomy at which point he walks behind Satan, snaps Satan's neck, and then becomes Satan.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I mean it's implied sodomy insofar as like any lap dance is, I guess.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um very cool. So it's a far cry from his old town road, Country Beginnings, and uh where he was simply gonna ride a horse. Well you know what? Never mind. I don't I have I have no idea. But this is kind of like his second hit, kind of. Like this is this is I mean, have we had anything in the intervening months or was it just like Old Town Road to this?
2: He had one other song that was relatively big, uh, after Old Town Road and before this one. Uh ho- well, there's was, there's was one called Panini and I, I don't think that one got anywhere close to as big as Old Town Road. And then Holiday, which was like a Christmas song that I don't know that it got a lot of radio time, but it was at least big on TikTok, with the kids.
1: Oh, with gotcha. those kids, those youngins.
2: Mm-hmm. And and that's that's sort of a theme uh, with his career so far. His first song, uh, relatively speaking, is kind of wholesome. I think there's like a reference to drinking lean, which is like uh, prescription codeine with Sprite that rappers drink. But other than that, I don't think it has like any over-the-top sexual metaphors or anything um, i want
0: a new, a new recurring segment on carl pulling which is rap cocktails with dick <laughs> it's really good
2: um but i mean you know pretty pretty tame and then uh i mean he kind of maintained that image for a while in fact late last year he had a virtual concert during covid um and he was not the first to do so other bands had had done concerts in vr Uh, There are a few bands that did concerts in Minecraft where you could, like, participate and be part of the event. Most notably, Travis Scott did a concert in Fortnite. So Lil Nas X's brand of this was actually a step down from Fortnite in terms of demographic. Uh, Fortnite appeals to children, but Lil Nas X had his concert in Roblox, which, as far as I can tell, the player base is, like, 8, 9, 10 so that seems it's not that he doesn't have older fans, but he appeals to children, and so he's taken a hard left turn here.
0: So if if just to explain it to our, our technologically illiterate uh, audience, it's amazing that you're even listening to this podcast right now. Don't worry, we're not even at the FNX Fit ad read yet. We'll abuse you more later. But if if Minecraft is Lego, Roblox is Playmobil. That's uh, correct. It, it's it's like a a step down in complexity and demographic. As far as I can tell, yeah, gotcha um so so he's giving so he's giving these concerts on like platforms that are more or less targeted to children, and then he turns around and comes out with this this track and this accompanying music video, which is like, I mean truly horrific i, I, I certainly not something you would want to expose a child to um, probably not something you'd want to expose yourself to in in my opinion. Uh Hunter out of curiosity,
1: have you seen this music video? I have not, and I'm pretty happy I have not the more we talk about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: I watched I watched a a compilation smash cut of it uh just to get the imagery and that's about all I needed. Okay. Um, Great for me. Yeah, it was uh it was something else. Uh a lot of money though. Very high budget. So. Interesting.
1: Well, I guess people think they him. can make a lot of money off of it, which, which would make sense, you know. Sure.
0: Well, and and then this is kind of where the this, this song I think really blew up because not only did the song come out, and of course there's all this this satanic imagery in it and all this suggestive, um, you know, hedonism. Right. In the in the track and in the music video, but then this shoe came out as a collab that he did with Nike and some other company. Nick, maybe you know.
2: Yeah, it's a collab uh, with a brand called Mischief. No vowels. <clears throat> Mischief.
0: Well, that's like bearing the lead of the year, I'd <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he he releases this shoe, and it's got it's got a reference to Luke where Satan falls to earth on on it it has pentagrams it's got uh it's it's a limited release set and so they've released 666 pairs of the shoe and they're all numbered between one and 666 here's the real thing that kind of made it a controversy made it an internet firestorm though was that in the die i believe on the upper there is there is one drop of human blood per shoe yeah
2: it's weirder than that it's actually uh i don't remember if it's an air max or what but it's a nike that has an air bubble in the midsole as cushioning uh and so it's actually filled with liquid and in that liquid is semen
0: blood oh so it's actually still in like it's liquid form in the shoe yes Uh, so gross like like and to uh, to associate that to the music video because it obviously is associated to the music video, it there's this idea that we are, you know, going to associate s- Satan and death and blood and this shoe and all of that and even the Bible with a reference to a certain verse to this extreme hedonistic pleasure, right? This this pole dancing lap dancing the whole thing you know with with satan all of this gets rolled up into this ball and you know there it's it's a weird legal area even because selling selling human parts is kind of a no-no a lot of the time now fluid's a little bit different although blood's one of the weirder ones of those However, you know, the reason that it's illegal to sell kidneys isn't because someone can't sell their kidney. Like, in theory, a libertarian viewpoint would be that, yeah, if you want to sell parts of your body, go Go knock yourself out. Consenting adults. (laughs) Well, (laughs) start with a different part, Hunter. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, But... The reason that it's illegal and that it actually makes sense to be illegal is because you don't want to make a market for kidneys, right? right? Like the incentive structure there is kind of perverse. Right. So selling selling blood is already a little bit a little bit strange, um, but then associating that that we're gonna we're going to sell blood and associate it to this heinous pleasure and 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 if you take a step back from the fact that okay it's a shoe with a drop of blood in it nobody died. Uh, it's, you could even say that people didn't really even get hurt, right? We extract more blood than that uh, at a routine doctor visit. However, when you look at the iconography of it, there is this, this sublimation that occurs where we are taking our life, we, we're we taking our our vitality and diminishing it in the pursuit of pleasure. And I think that Mm-hmm. maybe that connects with the decadence idea you know especially in this in this genre specifically or maybe this is a different a different genre i kind of see cardi b as as to be a little bit more pop oriented than lil nas x but there's this there's this you know this dance that got done by her and megan the t-h-e-e the stallion at the vmas where they're like Simulating lesbian intercourse and doing all that kind of stuff. And it seems that there is like this extreme pull towards the grotesquely sexual. And it's really interesting that Lil Nas equated this with with demonic iconography. Interestingly enough, in Cardi B's musical for the... uh, I mean, it's King Lear and Hamlet rolled into one. WAP and if you don't know what it stands for you don't know what it stands for but we don't talk like that on carpooling at least when I'm not high on codeine (laughs) but but um there is there's demonic iconography in that music video as well there's the head of the goat that a character is wearing for part of it uh in addition so both of these both of these performances there's this track then this music video that contains demonic iconography, and then the scandal that whips up these these songs and these videos to kind of national attention, national uh, prominence. So we've got several examples of this same little pattern being followed in both of those artists, in my opinion. So let's talk about decadence, talk a little bit about From Dawn to Decadence specifically, that, that Jack Barzun book. So in it, he argues that there are effectively two types of decadence. There's little decadence and big decadence. And if you want a more thorough breakdown of this concept, go listen to Andrew Clavin's show uh, from last week. But effectively, they're arguing that there is rebellion and rebellion is decadence, right? Like rebellion is decay. The point of a rebellion is to countervene something that came before, Right? You can't rebel against nothing. If you do, you're what they call a rebel without a cause, which is cool sounding, but honestly meaningless. Mm. And, and it, it requires that there be something for you to rebel against. So little decadence, uh, Jacques would describe as rebellion against the elites, rebellion against the culture and the institutions that are dominant at a given time. And big decadence is rebellion against, well, he would say God, or nature, or reality itself. So there's these two separate types of moral, artistic, creative decline. And it's hard to know which one you're at, at what stage. But maybe we can look a little bit at the examples that are in front of us and see which one it might be. So... So Hunter, what, what are your thoughts on, on Jack's point as far as the types of decadence? Like, do you think that that's a, that's a relevant structure to analyze art in, or is it not useful?
1: Um, I I think that, I think it's relevant. Um, there, you know, this kind of goes, um, I have a, friend who always says you know every loser calls themselves an artist um because <laughs> it's it's not really definable what art is and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we treat art with such decadence right um in both the in both forms of that definition um you know it, this isn't the Renaissance where like Michelangelo was like hailed and asked by the Pope to come in and paint a ceiling. You know what I mean like we don't really put a right. lot of we don't put a lot of weight on that sort of stuff um, and we we don't really have figures like that, and if we do, we pretty much use them as political tools nowadays um for the most part, or they have to fit in a decadent framework um that being said, you know i I don't think we're seeing something like small decadence right now um, you know it's not like this the songs and the stuff that we're talking about are being really used to topple like I guess the best way to put it is and you tell me if I'm a little off here it, like the power structures that exist within our society like that doesn't seem what they're aimed at they're not trying to like get rid of like Joe Biden from office they're not trying to like m- make political statements in a lot of this way um, they're they' right. they're more or less aimed at like, the what you could call is like the traditional relationships that men and women have had throughout, you know, our entire history, uh, which to me falls in the category of like big decadence. Um, yeah,
0: I, I think that that's, I think that that's hunting the right, the right dog at least. Okay. Um, and, and let me try and explain that with, with this metaphor. So like Nick, if I just say the word music to you, like what's the first thing that comes to your head? Uh, Four on the floor, you know,
2: like steady beat, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus.
0: Right. So, like, we're talking about this, like, typical rock instrumentation. And I, I think some, like, other examples of that would be, like, if, if I say music, you're going to think of a CD way before you think of a sheet filled with score. Sure. Yep. Right? But that wasn't always how it yep. was. And in fact, that's a super recent phenomenon. Even, you know, thinking of the primary mode of music being vinyl, right? It's just not how things were for a very long time. So we saw this, this decadent rebellion happen in the 50s and 60s that led Darn to... Darn you, Elvis. You know... Darn or, you, Elvis. Yeah, Elvis or, or the Beatles right. or whoever, whoever it was that led to this, this reconstitution of what we think of as music. One of the characteristics of small decadence, in my opinion, is the fact that you, you rebel against the elite or the institutions of the time, and then you reform them in your own image, right? there, There's not a, a destruction of, of the institutions eternally. Mm-hmm. It's a reformation more than it is an outright rejection of reality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why... Everybody, you know, the the Beatles, they were the, you know, um, Beatlemania and British Invasion, and it was a revolution. In fact, we're going to start a revolution is like the opening title, the opening salvo from some of one of their tracks. And, you know, you've got these super transgressive for the time albums like Revolver. But what did it lead to? Well, it led to Van Halen, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right? like We didn't kill the entire idea as we reformed it into its modern structure. And I, I would venture to say that like, I like classical music, I like rock music too, and they're both good. And not only that, but they both have a science behind them. And, and truly, the honest rock musicians will tell you um, that you can't be a good
1: rock musician without being a good theorist. So this is funny though, but because like when you talk about rock music, I honestly feel like you're out of date. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that. Oh, I am. yeah, Yeah. And I feel like I like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know of good rock bands that are like alive today and performing, if that sort of makes sense, but they're not cool and they're not mainstream and they're definitely not in the top 40, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, And I feel like that's, there's a couple of different reasons for that. One, I think is the fact because, you know, people don't necessarily want, it's going to sound strange. People don't necessarily want good art. Um, and I, we could do a little bit more on that, but I also feel that people, people also want the, they also want that zeitgeist of what feels cool and good and pleasurable and hedonistic. Right. Um, and I think, I think it's Mm -hmm. both of those at the same time. Um, it was interesting kind of hearing you talk to about rock and roll, because sorry, I, I, think, I think every type of art um, is, on, is on a different level as, as far as, as to its articulation. right? Like music is almost you almost don't even need words to communicate music, right? Like music does so much oh, for sure. music does so much without being specific, right? Um, a lot of the time it definitely can be like your lyrics can be what drives your music, so to speak. Um, But nothing is, nothing is as specific as, as uh, literature. Right. Um, Right. Because that is what literature is trying to do is it's not only trying to tell you everything that's going on, but, but that you could normally experience, but all the emotions of everybody involved. And so what's really interesting to me is, and I, I know this is a little bit of a trend here on the show, but like, uh Foucault right and Derrida right are like they kind of take this first stab at saying that um and I hope I'm not getting too far off base here but I think it kind of feeds into what we're talking about is that um that that the meaning that you placed on this doesn't exist right and now we can live in this decadent world where we create our own empires so to speak which is not exactly their goal but it's kind of like a subset there if that sort of makes sense and you can see like once you've taken the meaning out of like your cultural thoughts and the things that you held dear, right? How Decanus just has a free reign to come in and absorb those parts of the culture. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think there's a reason that music is so susceptible sure. to yes. this. Yeah. Um and and it's it's like it's like a pro and a con, or or it's a double edged sword. It it hits you on the way in and on the way out. Let me try and articulate this idea that's a little complex for okay. me. But but music is fundamental. It can be lyrical, but it doesn't have to be lyrical. And y- the entire world runs at rhythm. Um light is a Hertz and so is mm-hmm. sound. Um everything you experience truly is movement and music is the art form that embraces movement there's a reason that you don't dance to silence mm-hmm. you literally have to have music to dance. dance and you and and that's true of of all the forms and, and and i am trying to get at the fact that music is primal like visual arts are important and literature is next to godliness <laughs> but but music is primal um it it Interacts with the biorhythms that are inc- like interacting in your own yep. body, and we know this based on science. I'm not just being conjecturous wow. and flowery. Okay. Like like if you listen to faster pitched music oh, or, yeah, or yeah. faster tempo music, your your biorhythms will increase, mm. and if it's in a proper range, a lot of times they will match, mm. and that's a observable, repeatable experiment that you can that you can perform and observe. There's this thing about music that that strikes at the core of what it is to be human and and so it makes music the universal language in a lot of ways like like math is the universal language of the intellect music is the intellectual or the universal language of the soul and you that uh, that allows it to be wide open because the audience is so broad at the same time a very transgressive image is less impactful than a very transgressive song and you know this to be true and you felt this before even if you haven't exactly articulated it and sculpted it out and pulled it out from the background like I'm sure you both have had these these interactions where someone's like oh I really love this music and you listen to it and it's horrifying and you're like you don't actually like that. You like the fact that it's shocking to say that you like sure. it. yeah. You, do you know what I'm yes. saying? And, and that's how I feel about 90% of what Nick listens to. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, but we've all had that feeling before. And you can have that feeling about other things, right? But it happens a lot, a lot in music. No one ever comes up to you and goes, Oh, I really like this terrible book. Like, when's the last time that's happened? Mm. Or I really like this terrible painting. Right. The main
1: reason and re- and is have... if anybody reads a book, they've put too much of their life into it to actually say they like it. Like they have to really hate themselves at that point. But I'm sorry, I digress. Yeah. yeah. Well, I,
0: I'm just there's something there's something very fundamental about it, and it, it's why these music videos are kind of like the the sensory overload the the sense jamming of artistic representation right mm-hmm. because it's it is a story with writing it is a usually a cacophony of visual stimulation and it's all centered around the king which is the track you know and that there's something very primal and very fundamental about that I'll say one more thing. And Nick, I know that you and I have had conversations around this before, but there is this idea that art can be whatever we call it and whatever we want art to be is pretty new. It's, it's pretty fresh. You know, I know like you're a fan Nick of like, like brutalist art, which can you just describe that for our literate fan base? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm no art major, but uh, a lot of brutalist architecture or even brutalist web design—it uh, doesn't hide uh,
0: the elements of its structure. It's pretty raw. So yeah, like, and it's different from just like Soviet, uh, you know, concrete block. Not, not but not but too not, far away. Yeah, but not far. Like, the, you can have. What I'm saying is, you can have non-utilitarian. Yes. brutalist art, but yeah. it looks very industrial, very utilitarian. It's probably a decent example. My, my art major mother is going to call in and uh, have my backside for yeah. it. So, anyhow, but there's this. There's, I, I understand that there can be preferences, but you know, now we've got art in MoMA, which is just like a toilet with the word Nazi written on the side of it. And I, I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm not. Like there is just a anything goes lays fair mentality. You know, you had like the Velvet Underground uh back in mm-hmm. the eighties where like Lou Reed and What's His Bucket? Actually, what is his bucket? Because I can't remember right now. What is the uh, ca- <laughs> Not Warhol, right? No, Warhol. Yeah. who I'm trying to get. Oh, the at. banana? Yeah. Yeah. Who it's just anything can be art. Like there's a there's a piece by Warhol, which is a video of him eating a hamburger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's, there's certainly an um, an air of decadence about that, but this idea that art should just be pleasure, and, and look into the Velvet Underground, by the way, if you want to just examine a little artistic hedonism, Uh they were into pretty much anything and everything there, and, you know, Warhol had a lot more in common with, like, I don't know Manson than he had in common with Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. It, it, he was he was very controlling, very divisive. Is a strange character, and if you look at some of the stories and some of uh, the tales of what went down at the Velvet Underground, you'll see a little bit more of what I'm talking about. It's certainly a decadence there, where you're you're mixing carnal pleasure with artistic representation. This was not always the the case, you know. I it got me thinking. Uh, Jordan Peterson had on his podcast a couple a couple of weeks ago Juliette Fogra, who actually does the illustrations in his new book, um, Beyond Order, I think is what it's called. That's right. So I, I just second guessed myself as that came out of my mouth. And she talks about how she was this like perfect pitch savant piano player when she was growing up over in one of the Slavic countries. I can't remember which one. I think it was Latvia. I'm pretty sure it was Latvia um and she was just she was fantastic she was a good player and she absolutely despised it because when they realized that she was such a such a fantastic wunderkind wunderkind they put her in school and just forced her to play this morose classical stuff that she didn't really align with mm. right and she she suffered at the hands of her art it had nothing to do with pleasure mm. it had everything to do with the utility of beauty and the utility of of composition and uh there's th- this this idea that art is self-expression or pleasure as its only function is a new idea yet we seem to treat that as its primary focus and its primary function uh, you know what i hear a lot of people say that oh well art's all about you know expressing yourself and telling your story or getting your point across as a as a songwriter, I really disagree with that, and maybe that's why no one likes to listen to my music. Um, <laughs> but true. I, the 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 last the last point I'll make is that the decadence, big decadence, is I'm not saying for certain that we live in a moment of it, and hopefully we can get into that in a second. But big decadence isn't necessarily a new phenomena. You know, we've seen we've seen the pursuit for pleasure evolve into complete decay before. And I I would liken it to Caesar versus Caligula, right? You have one who is, well, I'll have a lot of boys that run around and I'll have, you know, extramarital relationships and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to throw society out with our hedonistic bathwater. Um, sold by your favorite e-girl instead, Caligula was like i'm I only derive pleasure from pain you know and and you know he's the great grandfather of masochism uh so so there's there's even a difference in in the historical world, and you know Caligula and Nero were the fall of Rome. and so what does it mean to say when your pursuit for pleasure Turns into big decadence, and you start rejecting the formation of reality itself. Uh, all right, I'll stop talking for a bit. What do you
1: think about that? Um, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that's interesting to kind of return to a very early part in the conversation is, you know, this this cartoonization of Satan, right? Um, making light of him, you know i think I think that's a good sign of big decadence, so to speak. Um, because what it, it what essentially that says is, you know, um, <laughs> if nothing else, it means the worst parts of humanity are not to be feared, and if anything, they're, they're to be laughed at, right? Hmm. And it says it says that regardless of you wanting to to say that or not right um, it, it would be you know here here's a here's a good way to like think about through that is like you know what what part of was Hitler satanic right and that's a pretty easy question to answer right the answer is an emphatic yes even if you don't believe in Satan right and sure. to to throw light on a character that looks like that is to almost align yourself with the satanic forces that are within mankind are not to be feared, right? They're a joke. All the all the naughty things that your mom and dad told you not to do when you were in church or when you were young or whatever, those were kind of a joke, so to speak. Um, and I think that's something interesting then to even say, you know, that that's what our art is going to contain and speak and, and put forward. Right. Um, and, and I think Christopher, like you were saying, um, you know, we treat it just like as expression of ourselves, but it's really not that it's really more like an expression of what our cultural values. Right. And so, and, and and so, and it's, it's really more than that. Um, but, but that's, that's, that's a fine enough place to kind of leave it at a high level. And so I, 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 feel like, you know that that's what lines that up more with Nero and Caligula for me right is is because it's not only is it not a celebration of that which is good, but it's an ignorance of that which is bad and and a willful ignorance yeah. at that
2: yeah, uh to add to that <clears throat> uh you mentioned that uh Satanism or depicting Satan in culture is at best, uh, you know, sort of laughing about about it and making light of it um, and that it's not to be feared. I think uh, more often than not, I would I would prefer that to be the case because I think uh, it's more common that it's actually a celebration of that. When you think about Satanism, as far as I know, there are very few true Satan worshipers. Sure, um, yeah. But if you look at, like, LeVayon, Satanism and its values of hedonism, uh, pleasure, self-centeredness, self-preservation. Uh, I mean, whether that's dressed up with a Baphomet and a pentagram or not, that is, I mean, that's all woven through our popular culture and our values. Um, it, it may not be the values that we purport to have, but if you look at the way
0: we live, um, it very much has a grip on us so yeah do what thou wilt right like that's the golden rule of levadian satanism and and the funny thing to me about that because because in levadian satanism the the ruler the the king the god is you Mm -hmm. and they're very clear about that and from the christian perspective what's so interesting to me about that is you actually are worshiping satan Right, like that's exactly what he attempted to do. Take, eat, and you'll have the understanding of God. Right, like, yep. It's it's kind of this hilarious, it's pride. yeah. Well, precisely, it's kind of this hilarious double play that they think that they're not actually worshiping the devil, that they're not actually worshiping the serpent. In a lot of ways, they are far more directly than they could possibly be if they actually worshipped, you know, the Baphomet. And the fruit was sweet. Yeah, yeah. Exa- well, exactly. I I mean, think about think about, and we've talked about this a lot on the show before, but you know, it opened our eyes. And mm. I don't think that there's a single person listening to the show right now that doesn't know the dangers of of having things that are nice to look at. Um. Anyhow, Nick, one thing that I that you and I had been talking about a little bit before the show was was this idea of is there any actual uniqueness because i think a lot of people probably a lot of our listenership think rap music and they've always think thought of it as just like insane degeneracy and like into a certain point you're not wrong but eminem saying the f word 70 times and i'm gonna staple you know my my mother's mouth closed or whatever he does or drive Nine inch nails through his eyeballs, or whatever, you know, whatever zany stuff there is like that. I feel like there's a difference in the message between that and, oh, let's go sexually pleasure Satan. But, but is there, is there, just because you're, you know, our local rap historian, is there a difference that you detect in, you know, the Silver Age or Golden Age hip hop and what we're looking at right now?
2: okay so i'll get real nerdy for a second let's do it um so as i mentioned earlier a lot of what's popular right now is this sing-songy brand of rap that's a lot closer to pop than it is to rap but uh it is it is still classified under hip-hop but it's 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 a pop genre um hip-hop pop hip-hop pop. hip-hop there it is um when you look at people who are more in the true hip hop category, a lot of old heads would argue that they're not "quote unquote" real rap either, because it's going further and further left field and getting weirder and weirder. I happen to like it and think it's uh, really interesting. Not all of it is good, but most of it is interesting. Um, Can you give ex- like
0: some examples? Like who who would be examples of like those new hip hop artists?
2: Uh, artists like. Young Thug, he's probably the the weirdest, and he pioneered a lot of it. As far as uh, like a lot of music critics would describe him as post-lyrical. Gotcha. Uh, He's it's more about the inflection in his voice rather than what he's saying. It produces some pretty unique results. And so there are many more of his ilk that have come uh, since then. You have Gunna, Lil Baby, Lil Keed. And it's all that same weird brand of hip-hop, and it's extremely popular, but it's not top 40 popular. Um, So what Lil Nas X is doing on any of his songs, it's not that. It's not uh, progressive. It's not interesting. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad, but it is very run-of-the-mill. It's very palatable. Um, It has a lot more in common with true pop music than it does with hip hop, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that compositionally it's unique in any way. So like,
0: like Lil Nas is closer to Kesha than he is to Pusha. That's a great way to put it. He he doesn't have bars. To <laughs> Got okay, cool. So so then, in that in that genre in that vein, is there a difference between? you know this I can't even think of a good example but is there a difference between what Cardi B is doing what Nas is doing and Lil Nas and what I don't know um Nicki Minaj was doing or Iggy Azalea heaven forbid like 30 minutes ago is there some do you detect a difference in form for these like pop hip hop artists
2: that's a great question uh I don't care much for Megan Thee Stallion or uh, Cardi B uh, but they are actual rappers uh, so I'll give them that Uh, And Lil Nas X is not not a rapper but I mean he's singing it's like hip hop in name only Uh, and then as far as older quote unquote artists like Iggy Azalea uh, she was actually rapping she wasn't singing but over popular beats most of the time so I mean, we've it's progressed and progressed. Uh, and before the sex X, I would say that Post Malone would have been sort of the pinnacle of this pop rap trend, where it's having a wider and wider appeal. It's just like a distillation of like some of
0: the core elements of hip hop and making it uh, mainstream. It's interesting to me then when you've got like what used to be the mainstream, because like just like the the postmodern artists. Not even the postmodern artists, but, like, the impressionist artists even. Um, the, the, truly the modern artist period had this, like, rebellion against Les Academies de Beaux-Arts and the, the rejection of the classical style, right? And we're going to build our own salons and we're going to do it ourselves. There was this little decadence going on. And now you look at a piece of classical art and you're like, this is trash. Like, it truly, it, it's, it's out of focus. There's no perspective. It's flat colors. All of this stuff... That is just not as appealing to our modern sensibilities. And then you look at, you know, Starry Night or um, Picnic or or even some of the stranger stuff like Picasso's stuff or Monks' stuff, and it's very dynamic. It moves. There's color. There's depth. There's a lot of intrigue and interest. And, and you don't even have to go that far past the classics. I mean, just talk about like Monet and Renoir, right? You've got this really fresh it's bright it's not you know a black background with with you know the Mother Mary with the gold halo right you've got you've got real people doing real things in real settings and there, it's such a it's such a beautiful art form so there was this rebellion but it, it rose into its own institution yep. in the same way that, that you know rock and roll attacked classical music in a lot of ways and, and I'm not just saying rock and roll but there was also you know jazz and blues Blues and all of those art forms that started subverting classic orchestral composition, mm, right? Mm-hmm. But then they rebuilt into these other institutions. And, and like Van Halen's, like the greatest example, Van Halen was everywhere, they were on every radio station. You know, the Eagles, these classic rock gods who are now boomer ish, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like Hunter, you were saying earlier that it's almost kind of funny, and like Van Halen's most transgressive song said that he was hot for his teacher and she wanted help he wanted help sharpening his pencil like a pretty lame euphemism right and yet now you've got and and that music was it wasn't the the instrumentation wasn't really transgressive although it was born out of transgression you know it was born out of this decadence but but van halen is like you listen to Why Can't This Be Love and you're like everybody can listen to this song no matter what age they mm. are. And even the weirder stuff like Captain Beefheart or or Meatloaf or something. It's not pushing any envelopes. Um,
1: I think that's more like I think that is more like the echoes of the past reaches of art right? In, in, in that new formula right? That decadence to some extent is tearing down, you know what I mean, like, I, I think, like, you know, this is a problem, I think, in every form of art nowadays, and I think every once in a while, you kind of see, like, this gleaming hope of what once was making its way through, um, you know, and I, and I feel like, I feel like that's, like, when an artist is really doing the job of an artist, so to speak, um, and, but I, but I feel like also it's, you know if you want to be a musician right and i mean the career so to speak right that that comes with certain baggage and nowadays it basically means you need to strip naked right and gyrate (laughs) right and yeah there there isn't even really a difference between you know being male or female on that anymore you know like it's all what people want um
2: yeah and not to belabor the topic but One thing that's so interesting and exciting and fun about uh, hip hop in the current trap hip hop scene that's born uh, here in Atlanta, is that it has that punk energy of rebelling against the established uh, systems. We're just gonna make a beat in Fruity Loops. We're gonna use uh, like our iPhone mic and record this song. And then you compare that with someone like Lil Nas X, who uh, for all intents and purposes, purposes may as well be an industry plants like he sure. blew up so fast um and then not to speculate but i'm going to if you look at how uh comforting and bubbly his introduction was and then the quick shift in messaging alongside the possibility that he uh was an industry plant i mean it's it's concerning and it's not uh like he he has connections to the hip-hop world uh i don't think most people consider him to be
0: uh an artist in that way that's a that's yeah. An interesting point. yeah well and, and that's that's kind of what i'm getting what kind of what i'm driving at is you've got this inversion i think that's happening in in substrate and and topic like what is the message of the music and how does it compare to the accessibility of the music. Somebody help me. What was the name of that super bizarre 90s female vocalist uh, who was sang weird songs about her cat and everything? What? She was so weird. And if I can't remember her name... I have
1: literally no idea who you're talking about.
0: Oh, yeah, Bjork. Bjork. Like, she was super bizarre. Her music was, like, super psychedelic, very inaccessible, and she kind of was only... I mean, she's, I'm not saying that she wasn't talented, but she was kind of an oddity. Like, she was kind of a sideshow, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And she was weird, and her subject matter was weird, and she sang about weird stuff. She was from Iceland, so she came by it naturally. Re- regardless, it was it was weirder subject matter that was that was niche because the art that it was layered on top of was also niche. Now we're seeing this really weird conversion inversion, I should say, where you've got, based on what Nick was just telling us, the most transgressive, obnoxious songs and and iconography that's ever been applied to music, I mean, truly, layered on top of uh, the most accessible art form. You know, this made me think when I first saw the little, little Nas X music video and a couple of screen grabs from it, I I thought immediately of Tenacious D's pick of Dex, Destiny. And it's a film and a concept album. Uh, and, of course, Tenacious D is a comedy band. Like, they're, they're niche on purpose. You know what I'm right. saying? They're Weird Al with with more guitar. So the the thing that's so interesting to me is the entire point of that that story is they're looking for the pick of destiny to help them really shred, right? right. And they're setting off on their own, and, and he, he prayed to, you know, uh, Jack Black starts out by praying to the poster of Dio that's on his wall, and Dio, you know, teaches him how to rock and roll, which is kind of funny. Also, Dio is amazing. And then, uh, you know, he goes on this quest, he meets Cage, they're looking for the pick of destiny. It all culminates into they're having this, this rock off with satan and satan literally is after having effectively someone in sexual servitude specifically cage so they make this wager that if they win the rock battle they get the pick and survive and if they lose then cage has to go to hell with satan for uh things that little nasex is interested in and it's the worst possible outcome for cage right he's like no, this isn't good. I don't want this. And this was co- like transgressive comedy mm-hmm. in music, right? And it was like, no, we're de- whatever happens, we're definitely not doing that. And now we've got a far more mainstream sound. You've got a far more top 40 format preaching the exact opposite. It's like, it, no, actually, we wouldn't even have to have the rock off. We're already signing up for the right. job. And of course, not only that, but in the realization of that act, we're going to become Satan himself. Right. Which is more accurate than Lil Nas knows, I'm almost positive. Regardless, I, I, I when you when you put it to me that way, Nick, you know, about how this isn't this isn't tending towards the extremity. This is tending towards the mainstream and simultaneously the topics are involving these types of things it's hard to say that the target isn't culture writ large like it's hard to say that what we're going after here isn't pushing the envelope of a genre it's pushing the envelope of reality pushing the envelope of the realities of of culture and of our own human nature and of our own battle for for maintaining our soul in a a world dominated by the possibility for hedonism I, I think that it's dangerous you know you talk about him going on that Roblox video game where there are a bunch of kids and of course Cardi B strutted her stuff on on primetime television at the VMAs not that anyone watches your horrible reward shows anymore but this isn't this isn't Bjork you right. know what I'm saying? This is this isn't no. fringe culture. This isn't George Sand wearing a pair of trousers and and writing sad poetry while she hang out hangs out with Frederick Chopin. This isn't the edge case.
2: Yeah, it's a trojan horse. It's a bacon-wrapped dog crap. Bacon-wrapped dog crap? That's just off the dome. That was for free. <laughs> you can take that. You can use that just pepper it in a conversation and you can take full credit. <laughs>
0: the- Nick, you've given our listeners a better gift than we ever have here at Carl Um, So, So when you examine it through that lens, you know, where does it leave us? I don't think that cultural revolution is bad. I don't think that artistic revolution is bad. I don't think that rock music is bad. I think if you like rock music and you don't think you like classical, you're kind of an idiot. Because every single guitar solo that you've ever heard in your entire life is born off of theory and the best guitar players are the best theorists period period uh there's no there's no two ways about it and the best guitarist is jack white and uh there's absolutely no argument to be had there so feel free to disagree with me and be put down summarily and mercilessly put john mayer up there too john mayer (laughs) banana pancake he actually is a really, he's a great guitarist he's a really yeah. good player he plays a different he he's got a much more like like poppy finger style but he um he's he's really talented by that i mean i can't play a lot of john mayer's stuff uh, but but i can't play any of jack white stuff except for a seven nation army that literally you would have to be handless not to be able to play um anyhow i i find that i find that to be interesting that we have we have this rejection of culture which isn't necessarily a bad thing but you have with it this this rejection of reality doesn't it reflect the political landscape a little bit i mean don't we see patterns of this replicating in other areas you know the french revolution was against the aristocracy and I'm not saying that the French Revolution was a good thing But it was a rebellion and, and therefore decadent In a certain way We were attempting to achieve more pleasure than we had now At the cost of previous institutions At the cost of something having to decay Although France still exists And no matter what you think of it <laughs> It's not hell It's France And that It was born out of the French Revolution And World War Two, But antifa and blm they're not against the aristocracy they're against the nuclear family they're they're against the the cohabitation coordination and cooperation that the sexes have been employing for all of human history both out of biological necessity and reasonable reasonable interaction
2: yeah and i don't want to talk out of my depth here but uh it's potentially the same kind of deal where you take something that's very palatable, like Black Lives Matter as a sentence, and it's like, of course, there are very few people who disagree with that, um, and that's the bacon.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You you take you take a structure or a substrate that nobody can disagree with, and that everybody can palate, and you you backdoor into that this incredibly destructive anti-realistic idea anti-scientific idea and and i guess when i look around and we use art as our proxy and then find other examples in our culture and our political culture it does feel like now is is not a rebellion against uh, against the elite it's not a rebellion against institutions it's a rebellion against reality and god uh I don't know. I don't know really how else to read what is happening right now.
2: Yeah, it it calls to mind um, uh, somewhere in Proverbs uh, where it says a person may think their ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Um, and also maybe a little more damningly in Isaiah five, where he says, "Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, darkness light, light darkness, etc." It's like, yeah, that's where we're at.
0: Yeah. It it certainly feels that way to me. You know, we've had satanic iconography in music for a long time. It's been in metal Mm -hmm. for a long time, Um, and not a lot of people listen to metal. That's just that. Uh, Most people, you know, don't don't know ten metal bands, and everyone can name ten pop artists. And then it started to move. You know, I remember. I don't know, probably a decade ago or something the first time that I saw a a D Antword music video. <laughs> and they're horrifying, right? Yolandi and yes, Ninja are. Are, are like terrifying people and it was very off-putting and they screech, they sing in these screechy voices and it's discordant and mm-hmm. dissonant and it obviously was not made for for mass consumption. It was in a similar way that people would say about metal like you're yeah. never going to have a a 55-year-old woman listening to metal. They just yeah. don't like
2: it. It's actually alternative.
0: Yes, right. It's actually alternative. It's actually transgressive in its substrate. Um, it's weird now that that has been inverted. It's weird now that, that the same boppy tune that everybody's listening to and every Uh every top 40 station is filled with is pushing the this satanic material yeah and and like look we're not this isn't just a a bunch of christians that are grasping our pearls that someone made a, a likeness of satan they're actually selling human blood like they're they're selling a shoe with human blood in it
2: yeah it's worth noting not to derail this but Uh, So you mentioned earlier that it's a collaboration with Lil Nas X, Mischief and Nike. It turns out that Mischief uh, just purchased 666 pairs of shoes and customized them and sell them. And it's like branded in a way where it looks like it's a collab with Nike. Uh, Nike's suing because that's confusing to the consumer. They don't have anything to do with it. And unless you like look that up, there's no way you would know.
0: Wow. It seems like Nike, maybe the the blood of the the blood in the shoes probably came from someone living in the West and not an impoverished Chinese child, so they probably just weren't down with it.
2: Uh. <laughs> right. they have no they have no trouble with, uh, yeah.
0: with the children getting hurt. Um, but it is, it is worth noting
2: too that it's not the first time mischief has made a sacrilegious sneaker. Uh, last year they made one that had uh, Jesus on the cross, a crucifix. Um, and then instead of being filled with blood, it was filled with "quote unquote" holy water from the River Jordan and all this other weird stuff. But it, I mean, it feels weird—one to walk, put put your foot into something, and walk on the ground with something with Christ on it. Uh, but it didn't cause nearly as much controversy, and Nike didn't have anything to say about it then. The only reason they're saying something about it now is because it of the pearl off. clutching.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. So, I think a lot of this is happening mainly because of, in the artistic realm, because of a lack of understanding of what art is, and what an artist is, so to speak, and I think um, the, the main way that I get to interact with art is in writing, and I think this same kind of philosophy passes on to other uh, artists, but... I I think it's something like this, I think you know. There there's a couple different aspects to writing, which is a writer, a storyteller, and and I'll leave it there for it at the moment. You know, like there are really talented writers that are really bad storytellers, and there are really good storytellers that are pretty bad writers, right? Um, and none of those are authorship, right? And authorship is kind of that idea that you kind of have the ability to create the story, so to speak, and in some ways to speak with authority on it. And I think like the missing piece of that Mm. that comes in there is there's a there's a piece of like authorship that's both storytelling and writing, and and it's a pastor. Right. It's this it's this ability to say, like, you know, what, what, what is actually happening when you're writing a story, so to speak, is you're you're doing what you do when you tell someone a story, which is how to act, right? And so there's that's all I mean by the word pastor there. It's like how to act in the world or how not to act in the world. Um, it's an exploration of human psychology, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of art does that. And I think when you start to talk about art in those terms, you know, when you do something that doesn't respect all three of those things. It's okay, it's art, and it's for fun, but you're not an author, if that sort of makes sense. And I think that's. And Hunter, I, oh,
0: you go ahead and finish. No, Hunter, please. I was just going to say you. that,
1: and I, and I think that's really the main point. Yep. So anyway, this is what I was getting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so no, but I think that I think that that uh, I think that's right, Hunter. And maybe this is the place to uh, drop this one off at the station, but. But I think that you're on to something there. I think that it it's a reflection, and, and Nick, you were talking about this a little bit earlier, of what our culture values. Right. We value self-expression at mm-hmm. the expense of reality. And we've been saying this shift for a while now, and it makes your reference to Derrida earlier even more reasonable, Hunter. There is this, this zeitgeist that... that Human humanity can be summed up to a MMO RPG character I, I creation that for so long. screen. It makes me so that you are passive. this. Yeah, it, it honestly, I, the, the more this, the more the fractionation and the different classes are broken down. And by classes and yeah. jobs, I mean like, like, what's your sexuality and what skin color button are you going to select and how big are your eyes and what color are they? And it, it's like we can take the human experience and distill it down. To a collection of attributes, and you've got you've got this in, instead of being a, a thinker, you're an ally. Instead of being instead of being, you know, a a transgressive intellectual, you're L G B T Q I A A R P Two Spirit, whatever it is, the the an alphabet boy, if you will. Instead of being Instead of being Malcolm X, you're black. And, and that's your cultural experience. And, and we can reinterpret all of the cultural and social interactions that you have based on your character creation screen. Like, no, it was a racist shooting because you're white and she was Asian. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That, that, white people can hate Asian people simply because of how they behave right. i'm talking about individuals that like you can you can dislike someone who is of a certain skin color rude. for right. any reason at all but not not in this post-truth world and hunter that's what you're getting at here is that self-expression is meaningless like there's a reason that 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 romeo and juliet is a fake story it's made up and it's more right. true I than the watch that And that's because it tells us... i watched this play literally like five times and I
1: still love it. Like, you can get... There's so much to it. It tells us something that's
0: true about humanity abstracted, right? It tells us something that's true about ourselves even if the events themselves aren't Mm -hmm. purely factual. There's a deeper level of truth that is at play in a story like that than what is on the surface. And to consider your work art while not being in dialogue with the truth diminishes it if you think that the the most important thing that your art can do is self expression mm-hmm. you're missing the point and and that might be our art showing a reflection of our cultural values which at the moment stray completely from any kind of grounding in truth no matter how you define right. truth right mm-hmm. At the expense of self-expression and that's where the term my truth comes from my truth is self it's self-expression dressed up in the word truth it means nothing and now when you have well I'm little non I'm gay and I'm transgressive and I'm black and so I'm gonna be you know this I, I'm going to express my homosexuality in this video I'm going to express my distaste for Western culture uh, and which, by the way, the church is Western culture uh, in this video. I'm going to express my distaste for all of the institutions in this video while not being in, in dialogue with anything that's real or anything that's useful or anything that's tangible. Like, right. he, he he's not even understanding the functions of heaven and hell and... Your ability to travel in between them in, in his iconography. Like, it doesn't actually even make sense. There's nothing, yeah. there's no meat on the bones of that story that he's telling because he's not even in dialogue with those with those previous forms. Unlike the rock guitarist, right? Unlike the rock guitarist who is in dialogue the entire time with Beethoven and Bach when he plays that super ripper, you know, minor chord influenced arpeggiated solo. He is in contrast and in in dialogue and in context of music as a science well there's no religious philosophy going on in this video
2: right and i don't think that's a conversation he'd like to have uh, because the whole thing feels dishonest to me because you think about uh, the environment that allowed him to express himself in this way it's western culture the medium or you know the Institution that allowed him to distribute the song and video at such a large scale—that's capitalism. So, what right. are we really rebelling
0: against? Right. Well, and, and that's just the thing, right? Like we've become so comfortable that we have—we've lost sight of our values. We we're Rome in its final days. At least, if you looked at our art, that's what you would see. And by the way, when you look at Drag Queen Story Hour, that's what you'd see. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna have—we're gonna have this. Amalgamation read books to kids as long as they're not dr. Seuss mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying Be- because your experience is valid because it's yours mm. I think that's a I think it's an earmark of art that is dead and I think art that is dead is an earmark of a society that is dead and I think that we can hope that we're in a period of small decadence but when you see when you see the the push for the mainstream to become decadent I think you've entered into the and danger zone
1: we all know that there's no better way to be decadent and to really no. show people what you're made of than going to fnxfit.com and FNXfit.com. getting just That's right. the sickest gains and the buffest tush and the just packiest of abs that you could possibly have go out onto that beach you know sh- sh- show show all those cardi b's what's really hot and yeah clothing clothing optional, optional. if you're sexy <laughs> enough and for men only for men only. yeah we're not for gonna let only. women
0: into that that's that's absurd um no <laughs> you haven't earned it ladies
1: Right, so go to on. fnxfit.com, buy a shirt, and while you're there, buy some protein power. Use our link, uh, the one that Chris is going to tell you right now. CarlPoing.com. Use the code at checkout to save 15% or 10% or 5% fit one one twenty five percent maybe order. that's a lie and you can definitely get a savings if you use that code and you will be looking just as ripped and fantastic as you could ever dream live that decadent life act the next fit
0: uh yeah it comes in so many decadent flavors how many times can i say hey. decadent in one episode nick thanks so much for joining us and sharing your your hip-hop historian intellect with us that was super useful and super informative
2: i'm i'm glad that i finally have an application for it because it's occupying a lot of (laughs) real estate in my big noggin
0: awesome if you guys want to reach out to nick he is at nick on twitter that's niq nick you can find the show at carlpooling.com all of our links and references are there i'm at chris x carl on the socials hunters at emotional carl the show's at carl pooling send us an email what do you think about art what do you think about cultural decline what do you think about the death of america what do you think about the boogaloo uh, uh number okay. two electric boogaloo also you're probably not yeah. allowed to say that right you're probably not allowed to yeah, talk about I that think on think anymore. correct yeah, but you're allowed to sell the little Nasex music video. So you know what, Tim Cook, get bent. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being in the back seat. We love you. Get tested.